You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's going on, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. This is a pretty special Victory Monday for you guys or Victory Sunday night whenever you're going to be listening to this podcast. Because the Saints do take care of business against the Chicago Bears on Wild Card Weekend, advance to the divisional round of the playoffs, which obviously is a big move um, up in the in the playoffs, and also it kind of debunks the narrative that the Saints are a one and done team every year, which was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yet people still say it, but that's Twitter for you. People will go on there and say stupid shit all the time. So the Saints win twenty one to nine. Um, it was a weird game because in the first half, you were almost like biting your nails and being like, it's way too close. And then in the second half, although the score was 21 to three, um, and technically it's 18 points, it almost felt like a 50 point lead because the bears were that bad offensively. And the saints defense was that good on Sunday against Chicago. So there's a lot to break down from all this, but here was my biggest takeaway from this game. And there's a lot, and I'll dip into every little thing here, but the big thing for me Man, it's great to have Michael Thomas and Deontay Harris back on the field. They were excellent, the two best receivers for the Saints on Sunday against Chicago. Deontay Harris had probably the best game of his career, seven catches for 83 yards. I thought he was outstanding. And then you had Michael Thomas, five catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Those two really carried the receiving corps. And it's nice to know that you can have a game where Emmanuel Sanders has, you go check the stats, three yards receiving. And you are able to be fine in that department because a lot was done there um, by Harris and Thomas. Jared Cook, on and off. I'll get into him in a little bit. A lot to talk about, both good and bad with Jared Cook. But Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas were fantastic. And what I really liked, especially from the two of them, was the way they were utilized. Deontay Harris, man, that was fun. And I kind of, I wonder if that's the vision for the Saints for the rest of the playoffs. If Deontay gets this kind of role because... He was fun to watch, whether it was down the field, whether it was in a short pass situation. He's just so shifty and so dynamic. Um, And although we didn't see a lot on special teams from Deontay, what he did as a receiver today was amazing. A lot of plays on third down where the Saints called his number and he stepped up. And his release from the line of scrimmage, something I tweeted about during the game, super impressive. And as for Mike, he's the security blanket. He's the number one dude. He's the guy that even though you know he's going to get the football, he'll still find a way to do it. And for this to be his game to kind of tune him up for the next round, and that's the way I almost looked at this game for Michael Thomas. Five catches, 73 yards, gets in the end zone finally for the first time this season. That's big for Mike. And Mike's, let me tell you something about Michael Thomas, because he gets a lot of crap on Twitter from morons. Michael Thomas is a competitive dude, and I bet you he was happy the Saints were winning in in his absence, because at the end of the day, Mike just wants to win. But Mike is so competitive that Mike probably, and the reason he probably kind of if you want to say the word rush through his recovery and was trying to get on the field as quick as possible is because Mike wants to be out there to help them be part of that win, part of that winning culture um, and, and be able to contribute to the team. And it probably killed him inside that he couldn't do it for the majority of this year, but he's back on the field. He looked fresh. Um, he had one big deep pass play that Drew hit him on where he, made, where he made a great adjustment. He had a ball where, you know, people look back at it, probably say it doesn't really matter, but he made a really nice adjustment on that catch. And what Mike does, and Nick Underhill pointed out, and I agree, and, and it, it's really why he makes this offense go at times, is Mike is the only receiver on the Saints that Drew can throw open because they're in sync. Breeze and Michael Thomas know where they want to go at all times. And it doesn't matter that they didn't play a lot this season together. They know what they want to do. They're, they're, they're literally on the same page every snap. And you saw that on Sunday. And the Saints said, 
leading up to this game, we expect to have two all-pro players back on the field. Well, they were right. And a lot of people say, wait, Deontay Harris, all-pro, all-pro returner, but looked like an all-pro receiver today. He was fantastic. So I tipped my cap to number 11. And number 13, I tweeted this before the game started. He actually just tweeted back at me. I'm a little starstruck for that part, not going to lie. But I tweeted, there's a lot of guys on the Saints I love. But if you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Twitter, you know Number 13 for me has a very special place in my heart as a Saints fan because something about his work ethic is just contagious. Mike is relentless. He is the ultimate competitor. And I always liked Michael Thomas, but something about last year just really, you know, it just felt right and and it really impressed me because he got paid and then busted his ass to have a record-breaking season. And not a lot of guys are going to do that. And ever since... And I always loved Mike beforehand because you knew Mike was a dog. You could go back to the 2017 season, even his rookie year. You could tell Mike was a dog. It's just fun watching him. It's really fun watching him. And even when he's not at 100%, he's still better than 90-something percent of receivers in this league. And and to have him back on this offense is huge. So that was my big takeaway. Receiving corpses a little bit healthier than usual, you're going to get results. And, and it's important, especially with this probably being, and this brings me to my next topic, Drew Brees' last ride. You want the weapons out there. And this was the talk going into the game, and even the talk during the game. Romo and Nance talked about it a lot. This seems to be Drew Brees' last year. The writing's on the wall. I haven't heard one single person who actually thinks there's a chance that Drew Brees comes back for another year. And I told you guys my stance on this. If Drew wanted to come back for another year, I'd welcome him with open arms because I still think he can play football. I don't think he's going to come back for another year. So this very well is his last season in my eyes. And every play, every game... From here on out, just like today, you look at it as almost this can be Drew Brees' last game. This could be his last half. This could be his last quarter. This could be his last drive in the Saints uniform. And it's tough to talk about because at the same time, um, one, you want to appreciate everything he did. And the other part, you don't want to let go. And it's really tough. And it's hard to even analyze Drew Brees from an unbiased perspective at times because, man, it's his last ride and you almost want to cut him some slack. And I do think there were some plays today where Drew was not his usual self. But I'm going to be honest, if I had to grade the performance that Drew Brees had today, I'd give him a solid B. And I thought he was efficient, completed 71.8% of his passes, 265 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks, almost had the third touchdown on the on the goal line leap. Um, and I ironically tweeted 60% of the time it works every time. That's an Anchorman line for people who don't know that. And if you don't know that, you should probably go watch Anchorman if you have free time. Um, but I tweeted that and actually made sense because it, it didn't actually work this time. So Drew almost had three total touchdowns, probably should have had three total touchdowns. Um, but look, there's a lot being made about what he can't do. It's been, this whole season has been about what he can't do. What he can do still is be an efficient quarterback. His awareness is excellent. His touchdown pass to Latavius Murray was big time. Um, great awareness on both players. Latavius getting up from his block and going downfield and Drew keeping the play alive, showing he's still athletic enough at age 41, soon to be 42. So the way I look at it, guys, and it's really tough to say, it's like I just watch these games now. Obviously, I want the Saints to win. That's the ultimate there. But I watch them with a sense of appreciation, and it's actually made this season a little bit easier for me. Like, I really appreciate every play, every throw that he's making. Um, And overall, I thought Drew played well, man. Uh, I, there was a throw to Jared Cook that Jared Cook dropped, and people said, well, it was good defense. And I didn't think it was bad defense. I thought it was good defense. But it's throws like that, even though it didn't get completed, where I still see Drew making the passes that he needs to make for this team to win. And that's important. And that's what I saw. And we saw last year with the Vikings game, Drew was uncomfortable the whole game, and just nothing, nothing changed. That wasn't the case. 
the Bears had a really, really good game plan in the first half, which is why they kept the Saints to seven points. They attacked the offensive line with a four-man rush and dropped seven back into coverage. And the Saints adjusted. And after they made the adjustments, the game didn't even feel competitive. When the Saints went up 14-3, to I actually was, tweet, uh, was texting with one of my friends, a um, good Saints fan as well, and he, I told him, I'm like, 14-3, to it sounds crazy, but I'm like, all right, I feel good. I feel like this game's over. And you guys could say, how can you, you know, be able to say that with the way the Saints have ha- uh, played in the postseason the last couple of years? But it's just the way that game felt because the offense for the Bears was abysmal. The Saints' defense was humming. Um, and the offense for the Saints finally broke the pattern for the Bears. The Saints should have finished with 28 points, by the way. Like, I just need to get that out of there. They probably should have finished with even more than 28. The 21 is not indicative of the way they played in the second half. Like, the 20, the, the Saints played good offense in the second half. As bad as they were in the first half, they made good adjustments in the second half, and that's important. That Sean's learned from previous mistakes. Drew's learned from previous mistakes. And I said going into this game, the Bears are not a playoff team. They just happen to be in the playoffs. So beat them. Take care of them. Make it easy. They didn't make it easy in the first half, but they made it very easy in the second half because the Bears really aren't a playoff team. They're a team that was in the postseason. I think that's a difference. I know it sounds crazy, but it is, and that was important. So I talked about the offense, but what I really want to talk about right now is the defense because, man, Saints defense gets a lot of shit from people, and I get it, you know, giving up the drive in overtime to the Rams or even regulation and the Minnesota miracle and the Kyle Rudolph touchdown, and, and it's so easy to blame the defense, and it is. It's the easiest thing to do if you want because the game usually falls on them at the end. The Saints defense was amazing against the Bears, and I know people are going to say it You know, it was against Chicago, and I get that. I, I absolutely do. I don't think Chicago's any good. I don't think Trubisky's any good, so I'm not trying to build up the Saints opponent because I will not do that. The Bears are not a good team, and I'm not going to give the Bears any respect as a team because I just don't think they're good. But when you're playing a bad team, what you need to do is stand out, and the Saints did that. And you look at the scoreboard, like I said, 21-9. to Saints would have had more than 21, and let's be real, the Bears... Six of the nine points came on a garbage time touchdown where the Saints were like, ah, who cares? And let's be real, Jimmy Graham made a hell of a catch. If Jimmy Graham doesn't make that catch, the the clock hits triple zeros, it's over, and we're done, and it's 21-3, to three, end of game. So the defense did what it had to do. The only complaint, and this is very me nitpicking actually, is the defense is not forcing turnovers that they need to. That's the biggest complaint for the Saints. The Saints defense is very good. They need to find a way to have more boomer, not boomer bust, but more boom plays. They need to hit on these plays that other teams are making risks. If that's a Janoris Jenkins uh, route that he jumps, he needs to come up with a pick. He can't drop that. If they're going to send the house, you need to get a sack. They did a couple times, but they also whiffed another time. You got to find a way to get picks. You have to find ways to get fumbles. The Saints are always a half second away from those big plays, like the David Montgomery fumble, um, like an interception here and there. They always seem to be a, a step or two behind. And the defense looked really good this season. And again, they looked really good today. And I'm not going to harp on the defense because I gave I would give this defense an A+. That's how good I thought they were. But the defense, though, if they can turn those into, turn those big plays into, I guess, possession-changing plays would be the best way of describing it, that would make all the difference because that would take them from being a good defense to a great defense. And this is a really good defense right now, guys. I, uh, this is a top-five defense in the NFL. But the only thing holding them back, the turnovers. You know, when you watch the Miami Dolphins, really good defense, what do the Dolphins do? They force a lot of turnovers. The Saints, they force turnovers. Don't get me wrong. They force five the week before against the Panthers. They got to find a way to force more, though. That, that's important. They need to find a way to force as the playoffs go along. That's my only knock on the Saints. What they did today was fantastic. Mind you, they did it without Trey Hendrickson, their best defensive end this year. 
that is crucial. So I want to give the defense their credit. Don't think that I'm knocking them. But I would like to see them force a couple of turnovers here and there if they could. I mean, that's the difference. If you could steal a possession or two in the playoffs, you're in great shape. But what really stood out to me, the third down defense, the Bears were 1 for 10 on third down. And that one completion, I believe, came on that garbage time drive. So the Saints defense, they would have had to do. Absolutely. Now, I want to, I wanna before I flip it over to the offense, I want to talk about someone specific on the defense. And there's a lot of guys you could say played well on defense today. I thought Lattimore was outstanding. I want to tip my cap to him. Thought Marcus Williams made a couple of good plays down the field, for the exception of the um, trick play that they all bit, and Javon Wims dropped a wide open touchdown. I thought Williams was solid in his return, um, and we saw some big plays. Obviously, I thought KM had some good plays in terms of rushing the quarterback. Just didn't hit home, obviously. Uh, I thought Janoris looked pretty solid for the most part, but um, overall good defense. But the one guy I want to talk about on defense, CJ Gardner Johnson. What the hell is he telling offensive players? Like, I need to find out. Someone needs to find out. Put it on Twitter. If it's too harsh for Twitter, put it on some site where you got to be a certain age to view. I don't even know. What is he saying to to the offensive players? Because there's a report that came out that Matt Nagy spent days throughout the week, spent time with his receivers and said, hey, Watch out for number 22. He's an instigator, so don't take the bait. And Anthony Miller in a game where he knew the Bears did not have a lot of receivers because Darnell Mooney was out because of an ankle injury. He punched Garner Johnson, and he gets ejected. What the hell is Garner Johnson saying? Like, And I give Garner Johnson his credit because Garner Johnson, just it's like he says his shit, and then he walks away. Like, Garner Johnson's not dumb enough to throw hands. He's going to make you throw hands, and then he's going to sit there while you get ejected. Like, that's how good he is at playing this game, man. And I, and I tell you, and I said he was Draymond, and people were like, oh, that's, that's stupid. You know, don't compare him to Draymond. That's a, that's, a, that's a compliment. Like, I don't know why people think me saying he's Draymond Green of the Saints defense is an issue. Draymond Green, without Draymond Green, I don't know if the Warriors win the finals that they did. And I'm not going to get into basketball here. But, like, you need instigators even if they're not legit tough guys, they need to get into the opponent's minds. And Gardner Johnson does that excellent, uh, at an excellent rate. And he's done it almost every week. I anticipate him trying to do so next week. He talked his shit. He said, you know, Wims was coming to his city and he was hyping it up and he delivered. And I thought he looked pretty solid for the most part in his return since uh, that COVID incident. So I'll tip my cap to 22. He keeps doing it. Don't know what the hell he's saying. I would love to know. Or maybe I don't want to know. Maybe it adds to the mystery. Now, who am I kidding? I want to know. I want to know. I, I need to find out what the heck Gardner Johnson is telling offensive players because it's absurd that he keeps getting guys to swing at this rate. So, kudos to him. Receivers, what the hell are you doing? That, that's all I have to say about that. Um, but I want to I switch gears here. I want to go back to the offense because there was actually one thing that really annoyed me in this game. And I don't want to be an overreactor, but I'm probably going to overreact. So, excuse me overreacting to this one little thing. Taysom Hill comes in for a play, clear shot play. And what the Saints did excellent throughout the year was you throw in these power runs, you throw in all these design plays where Taysom takes off, and you inch up. You get the defense to inch up. And then when you get your chance to take a shot play, you should have someone open. And Taysom Hill did have someone open. He had Deontay Harris open. Except he didn't get him the ball because Taysom Hill was too busy on his about fourth time clutching back the football I don't know if he needs a better grip. I don't know what, I don't know, maybe he just likes doing that. But by the time he goes to throw it, it gets knocked out of his hands for a fumble. Bears recover. Bears only got a field goal out of it because the Bears, like I said, are not a good football team. But against a good team, that'll cost you. When Sean Payton dials up the perfect play and Deontay Harris is open by a country mile, how is the ball not out of your hands? 
and I'm not, I'm not going to get angry. The Saints won. Uh, please, there's no way. I'm not angry about this at all. But, man, Taysom shows that he's not a quarterback. And what I mean by not a quarterback is not a good quarterback. Like, he's obviously a quarterback. He's just not a good one. And that, that's a difference. And what aggravates me is people keep making excuses. How much longer did he need? It was like three seconds before he decided, yeah, I'm going to throw this ball. And then by the time he decides to do it, it gets knocked out of his hands. Like, man, Deontay Harris was open the minute the freaking ball got snapped. Just throw it to him. And the funny thing is, people be like, well, Drew's not going to make that throw, so that's why they put Taysom in. Okay, cool, but neither is Taysom. He's sitting there clutching the ball. If Taysom came in and threw the rocket, I would be on board with that move. But, like, Taysom doesn't trust himself, clearly, or he's just an idiot. It's one of the two, and I don't think he's an idiot. I think he doesn't trust himself to make that throw, or he needs this guy to be wide open to make the throw. But even then, that would make no sense because Deontay Harris was open. The gap between Deontay and the corner was insane. And he didn't throw that football. And the reason I nitpicked that one is because that's a type of play against a better team like the Buccaneers next Sunday. That could cost the Saints. When you have an easy seven on the board and you don't take it because you're too busy clutching it like A-Rod at third base, we got a problem. And I'm telling you this as a Yankee fan, how many times I get annoyed with A-Rod clutching the ball five times before he decided to throw it at first base. That's Taysom Hill. That was Taysom Hill this Sunday with that pass. So that's all I wanted to say about that play. It kind of really grinded my gears, not going to lie. I was tweeting a little bit of a storm about that one. But overall, obviously, the rest of the game, for the most part, was enjoyable. The first half was just hell, man. I was, like, keeping the Bears in. The Bears aren't a good team, by the way. Like, I, I said that a million times. I'm going to keep saying it. The Saints were so bad in the first half, and the Bears had three points. What the hell? Like, the Saints were bad in the first half last year, but the Vikings, a respectable team, They did well, and they got into the half with a lead, and they felt good. The Saints, playing the Bears, I think they looked worse in this half against the Bears than they did last year against the Vikings, and the Bears had three points because they're not good. So as bad as that flat start was, the Saints were very fortunate that the Bears were terrible, and they played really good football in the second half. I I don't want to rip the Saints and make it seem like they had a bad game because they did not have a terrible game. They just had a terrible half The second half was impressive. I thought the Saints did exactly what they needed to do, and that paid off big time. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about, which players impressed me, which didn't. On the didn't side, it's something that's becoming a legitimate issue, and I want to talk about it. It's it's Jared Cook. Jared Cook is a journeyman tight end, and the reason for that is he is so inconsistent. He's consistently inconsistent, and it's really frustrating. He dropped that touchdown pass, and then two plays later, it makes like a diving catch. Look like the ball is going to hit the floor, and he comes up with it. Like, dude, what the hell? And then the other play, Drew Brees throws to him, and it looks like it's an interception. It ends up hitting the floor, so it's an incomplete pass. But, like, it's way too boomer bust with Jared Cook, man. It, it's either a big play or it's all hell's about to break loose. And I, I can't live with that, man. I can't live with it. It's just too much. It's so inconsistent. And I don't even think Jared Cook's a bad guy. I mean, he says some weird shit to the media sometimes. Like, his comments are a little bit weird, not going to lie. And I thought this was going to be his breakout year. I really thought so. And it hasn't been that way. And he hasn't been atrocious. He's just been typical Jared Cook. He will never be as good as his best, but he'll never be as bad as his worst, and he's somewhere in the middle, and it aggravates the hell out of you because you know what his potential is, but on the flip side, you know how bad things can get when things are going bad for him, so you live with it, but man, that dude's like the definition of roulette for a tight end. Like, you don't know what you're going to get, um, so it is what it is. Mixed bag of jelly beans when it comes to Jerry Cook. Someone who impressed me, Teron Armstead, man. How the, first off, how the hell did he not make an all-pro team? That's my first issue, and second... 
When are people going to put respect on his name? I love hyping up Ramchek. I think Ramchek's amazing, and this is not about comparing the two and saying, oh, this, that. But Armstead's been the best offensive lineman for the Saints this year, especially the last month of the season, and he doesn't get enough credit. Kudos to Tony Romo and Jim Nance. They gave all the props and credit to Armstead, rightfully, you know, deserved. Um, but, man, national media's got to start talking about it a little bit more. I mean, he just puts his hands on you, and you're done. Just just don't even show up. Why are you there? He, that's how good he's been playing, and that's so crucial because if you're going to make a playoff run, the tackles for the Saints obviously need to play at a high level because the guards aren't necessarily going to play at a high level. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the guards in a second, but Armstead's been playing outstanding football, and if there's one guy that impressed me a lot this game more than anyone else, it was probably Armstead for the exception of Deontay Harris, who I already mentioned. That's why I started off the show talking about Deontay because I thought he was that impressive. So um, I think Armstead's been great. Really happy to see what he's been doing. So it's something that's going to go on for the rest of the year, and we'll see what happens. Another real quick thing before I talk about the guard play, Alvin Kamara, way to show that there's no rust, buddy, man. Oh, my God, 23 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. Also had two catches for 17 yards, and and he never looks like he's trying, and it's it's amazing. It really is amazing. Kamara's that good. He's heating up. He was, oh, my God, that the fourth quarter was just chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. Bears couldn't tackle him, or maybe they didn't want to tackle him, or I don't know. Were they protesting Mitch Trubisky? I can't tell you guys. I have no clue. But Kamara was amazing in that game. Um, It was awesome to see him heating up, especially with another playoff game on the horizon. Now, let's talk about the guards real quick, and this is why it's important. Guards and pass protection, really bad. Guards and run blocking, pretty good. And that's why the Saints should be running the football because, man, when you run the football and Pete and Ruiz are able to get in motion and you minimize their mistakes, it's big time. It's really easy to blame Andrews Pete, guys, and I blame him probably just as much as you guys, maybe not as much, but almost. Andrews Pete had a bunch of big blocks in the running game today, and I, I thought he he had a solid game. And when you're the Saints, when the passing game necessarily isn't working, and it wasn't working in the first half because the Bears were hitting home, just run the football. And the Saints did that in the second half, and that's why they were able to do what they did. They chipped the, the defensive ends like Khalil Mack. They sometimes brought in an extra blocker, which was a very innovative move by Sean Payton to combat that four-man rush or five-man rush. And they ran the freaking football, and they did it well. So uh, that's important. So get your guards out in space. Let them make plays when you're not pass blocking at a high rate, and sometimes the guards aren't, or should I say a lot of times the guards aren't. But in run blocking, they look strong, and I I was impressed with what I saw. Now, I'm not going to wrap this up yet. A couple more things I want to talk about before I bounce out of here, but one thing I wanted to address, and this is going back to the Bears, is Akeem Hicks the saltiest man alive? And if so, tell me why. And I, I think he is. Like, you got traded years ago. Get over it. I, he's a really good player. Really good player. And he makes a lot of big plays. But, man, he was jawing for the jump. And then they were down 21-3 to and he was still jawing. It's like, bro, read the room. Your team's down three scores. No one cares about your personal vendetta against the Saints. And, Akeem Hicks, let's go through your last couple of years against the Saints, shall we? Wild card round. Saints-Bears. Saints win. Regular season, 2020 regular season, Saints-Bears, Saints win. 29th season, Saints-Bears, Saints win. 2017 season, Saints-Bears, Saints win. Dude, enough. I don't want to hear Akeem Hicks anymore. He just barks the whole time, makes a couple of big plays, and his team still loses. So enough with the shade. At least Jimmy Graham kept his mouth shut this game. He just ran to the locker room after that touchdown. He was ready to get the hell out of there. First flight out of out of New Orleans, go back to Chicago. 
Dude, and you know he ain't taking the team plane. He's flying his own. So he was getting the fuck out of there. But Akeem Hicks, man, uh, holy crap. The whole game just barking non- nonstop. He made a tackle. The score was 21-3. was licking his fingers like, oh, my God, what a good play. I've never seen that before. I Personal vendetta, I guess, man. That was that was something for sure. Um, before I wrap it up, though, I want to talk something real quick about Drew Brees that I found funny and then real, real quick talk about the Bucks' upcoming matchup. But with Drew Brees, with him, like, weird WWE promo shit talking saying we were going to get in with the rushing touchdown, for him to not get in, I feel like Drew's never, and I mean, obviously he doesn't have any more games left. He might only have one. Who knows? He will never do that again because he's probably like, man, I should talk to the, to the TV and I didn't even get in. And he thought he probably looked stupid doing so. I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. The difference between Breeze and Brady, it is sometimes fun to see these guys show a certain amount of emotion and like kind of like, you know, have that edge to them. It's nice. It's annoying when it's every week when you're slamming helmets like a little bitch. But when Drew Brees does it occasionally, it's nice to see that because he's mostly calm and reserved. He's not sitting on the sideline throwing a fucking hissy fit. But... I like that from Drew Brees. I thought that was kind of cool to see. He probably will never do it again, though, because he didn't get in. But it, it was nice to see him have that emotion. What a long drive. Even though they didn't score, they took out about, like, God knows how much time off the clock anyway. So good job from the Saints um, there. And, and fun to see Drew show a little bit of emotion. Now, Saints-Bucks, it's going to be a Sunday night game by the time that thing finishes. It's going to be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It's going to be really nerve-wracking. It's going to be really annoying. And here's what I can tell you. I will not be watching sports talk television this week. You think I'm joking? I am not. I don't need to hear people who know less than me tell me it's tough to beat a third team, uh, team three times, uh, the same team three times, excuse me. The Bucs are different this time. The Saints aren't looking good. The Bucs are looking good. I don't need to hear this shit. I heard it in week nine. I don't need to hear it again. First off, the it's difficult to beat the same team three times. Sure, but it's... I mean, out of 32 times it's ever happened, 20 times the team that won the first two won the third time. So more than half. Second, we got to stop saying that the Bucs weren't ready. Like that, it's just the dumbest thing, man. So like if the, if the Saints lose to the Bucs Sunday, can I say the Saints weren't ready? Because it'd be the same stupid, lame excuse. Like I'll give them the pass for week one, even though I don't want to, but I'll give them the pass. What was the excuse for week nine? Because the Bucs were rolling going into that game. They were. They were playing really good football. And then they got freaking steamrolled 38-3. to And I'm not, that's not going to happen again. I got, let me get that out from now. The Saints will not be blowing the Bucs out. No. Just not going to happen. But we got to stop with the excuse. And, and my third thing, I don't need the Skip Baylesses of the world to give me their analysis on this game. Skip Bayless is a 60-something-year-old man tweeting like a little schoolgirl about Tom Brady, bro. He doesn't care. He doesn't see your tweets. Why are you tweeting about him? So I don't need to hear about him. Oh, Tom needed one more chance. He got his wish. All right, dude. If Look, if the Saints lose, will I be pissed? Yes, because it's Brady and who the hell likes that guy outside of little fanboys who think that wins are a QB stat when, in fact, they're a team stat. And also, mind you, remember, win-loss is a QB stat when it affects Tom Brady in a positive way, but win-loss is a team stat when he loses. Just remember that, guys. That's how this works. This is how the Tom Brady logic works. So I don't need to hear those type of people. And I also, I don't want to hear people, like I said, I'm taking this year in stride. I went into this season thinking it was Drew Brees' last year and this is the last year for this team to possibly win a ring with the core they have because, you know, the 2017 draft class has to get paid, guys. Like, you can't keep everyone. So I went into this year with a sense of appreciation. I'll still have that sense going into the wild, into the divisional round, excuse me. Um, 
But I don't need to hear people who haven't watched this team tell me what this team is. I know what this team is. And I know when the Saints play to their best, they don't lose. I don't know if they're going to play to their best on Sunday. And we'll, I'll preview that game later this week. Don't worry, I'll have a new podcast out for you guys. But I don't need to hear from people who haven't been watching this team what they think. It's the, it's the dumbest thing. I don't need to hear Florio. I don't need to hear Chris Sims. I don't need to hear Skip Bayless. I'll listen to the Saints podcasters that I listen to. I'll listen to my gut. I'll listen to the beat reporters and see what they get from the players and the coaches during their media press conferences. That's what I'm going to listen to this week. I'm not going to listen to morons like Nick Wright and Skip Bayless and Chris Sims and Mike Florio and whoever the hell is a moron that trash Dov Kleiman, that fucking Brady fanboy. I don't need to listen to those people. I'm going to listen to the Saints, guys. I'm going to enjoy this week. And what happens, happens. But I can tell you this. If the Saints do lose to the Bucs, it's not going to be because they played a third time. That makes no sense. It's going to be because the Bucs made adjustments or the Saints weren't playing well. It's going to be one of those two, guys. It's not going to be because they played a third time. That logic does not make sense. It's because the team made adjustments or that team was the better day that day. It's not because they played a third time. Okay? Because if the, if the Saints played the Jets twice and they beat them twice... Would you really be like, oh, if they play them a third time, I don't know, man, the, the third time you play them? No, you would say they probably win because they're playing the Jets, and you wouldn't even think about that number. But because it's Brady in the playoffs, people are going to treat it differently, and that's fine. I respect it. I get it. But that's why. So I'm really, uh, look, I'll always be nervous about Saints playoff games, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to go into this week shaking because I'm going to say they're going to lose this because it's the third time. If they lose, shit happens, guys. And then you move on, unfortunately. But it's not going to be because they're playing a third time. And, and again, I don't even know. The Saints are going to be favorites going into the game, as they should. And if they have Trey Hendrickson, I do believe they should be favored and are the better football team. But, man, people are lame, man. At some level, make good content. And they're not doing it. And that's why I'm not going to listen this week. So, don't look at my Twitter for me tweeting about other people's hot takes because I'm not going to have it. I'll be tweeting my takes and retweeting fellow other Saints podcasts, uh, podcasters, analysts, beat reporters. I'll be tweeting about them. Uh, and retweeting and sharing their content. But I will not be sharing any content from the national media this week because, frankly, they've been terrible with this team the whole year. And you know who they're going to want to win. They, their their dream scenario is brady Rogers NFC Championship game. That's what they want, which means the flags will probably be coming out. And, we'll again, we'll see what happens Sunday. But the Saints took care of business today, which is what mattered, and they beat a Bears team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. And I thought in the second half, at least, they looked good. Um, so we'll see if that carries over. Obviously, I'm not going to give a prediction or preview the Saints-Bucks game until later this week, but I do think it's going to be fun. I'm dreading that it's a Sunday night game because, man, i got to wait all day. I'm going to be anxious, but it should be a good matchup. I did tweet back in November. I think these teams are going to play a third time, and now we see they will. So we'll see what happens, guys, but I appreciate you listening to this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I hope you enjoy your upcoming Victory Monday. Enjoy this next couple of days, guys. I know everyone's going to start stressing about the Bucks game, but the Saints beat the Bears. Celebrate that for a little bit, and then you move on to Tampa Bay. But until then, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more content in the future, and let's hope the Saints keep rolling through these playoffs.